The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, hello everyone. Great to have you on board and welcome to the Business Locker Room. I am your host, Kelly Riggs, and you can always find us at bizlockerroom.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. Uh, As always, a fantastic show straight ahead. A lot of things going on the show with compelling conversations and useful content you can use to improve your business today. I can assure you you're going to find that to be the case today. Special guest on board, we'll get to him in just a few minutes. Mark Devine will join us, former Navy SEAL commander, hence the name of our show, The Way of the SEAL. That also the title of the book by Mark, which was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So I'm excited about that. I guarantee you you're going to take away a lot of content that you can use today in your business because Mark is not only a former Navy SEAL, but he's a guy who has a lot of experience as an entrepreneur, started a lot of different ventures, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic conversation. Hey, next week, September the 29th, if you're in the sales business or have anything to do with sales, want to make sure you join us. Mark Hunter and Dan Waldschmidt both will join us. Dan Waldschmidt, my very first guest on the show some four months ago, excited to bring him back and see how his new book is tracking and what his career looks like. And he's another one of those extreme guys that it was just a great way to start the whole show and the whole premise of the business locker room. Then Mark Hunter's got a new book coming out. And if you're in the sales business, you know a little bit about Mark, the sales hunter. We'll talk to him and Dan next week. Then on October the 6th, we're going to go back to the leadership idea with Randy Conley, vice president of the Ken Blanchard Company. So as we continue to move along, sales, marketing, entrepreneurship, business development, you get a little bit of that each and every week. Again, you can always find us at bizlockerroom.com. Our guest this week, as I mentioned, Mark Devine, and I I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. I picked up Mark's book, uh, Oh, it's just been several months ago, a national bestseller from Wall Street Journal, The Way of the Seal, Think Like an Elite Warrior to Lead and Succeed. And as a voracious reader who reads a lot of military stuff, I wasn't sure what I would expect, but uh, in, in looking over it and the people who commented on it, it certainly looked great, has rapidly become one of my favorite books. And I relate so well to what Mark talks about in the book in terms of the strategic planning and the things that I do in my own personal uh, work here at the business locker room, but I mean, Mark has has got a list of personal and professional accomplishments uh, that is just somewhere north of extraordinary. New York Times bestseller, Wall Street Journal bestseller, number one in Amazon for his book. 
He was the number one trainee of his SEAL Buds class out of 170. He served nine years active duty, 11 years as a reserve SEAL, retired as a commander in 2011, was called back up into duty uh, at some point during that time. He has a black belt in a couple of different martial arts, a military hand-to-hand combat certification. Not a guy you want to mess with. But on the backside, MBA in finance, graduated from Colgate, founded a couple of businesses and a couple of websites, including his current website, sealfit.com, and we'll talk about that. Mark, just a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. It's an, it's an honor. I appreciate it. You know, you uh, you just finished up a keynote message at your alma mater, Colgate University, uh, just this past weekend. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I did. That was cool to be invited back to speak to uh, about a 1,000 of the students, uh, you know, just a few other, like the trustees and the president were there, but it was really an address for the kids, and so that was, it was pretty neat to be able to do that. So I talked about becoming someone special and unique and, and not going through life, you know, with the same old set of common behaviors and common, you know, thought patterns, and uh, it was really well received. You know, you're a, you're, you're a guy that, uh, you know, the, the, the pervasive idea about a Navy SEAL is a guy who's, who's fearless. Uh, let, me ask, let, let me ask you, does the speaking in public, was, was that a source of fear for you at all when you got started? Uh, sure. I think it is for everyone, you know, and, and no question, you know, and in fact, we had this, this fun conversation about how I can parachute behind enemy lines, but when I go, you know, stand in front of people, I still, still feel that same anxiety that, that probably anyone else feels. And it's pretty natural. But, you know, I think the, the key for me is just to change my relation to it, um, to that anxiety, to one of uh, excitement and, you know, let's get, let's get on and, and uh, get moving with this. Well, so, yeah, certainly when you get comfortable and you get into the body of what you're talking about, you're so familiar with it and so passionate about it, you just, you just kind of forget about the butterflies at that point. Well, you do. And for me, it's just like, okay, you know, green light, let's go. Come on. I can't, you know, the waiting around is the worst part. So once, <laughs> I, yeah, once I'm on stage and I start talking, it's a lot of fun. And I just try to, you know, relate to the, um, the audience with some, some interesting stories and, and um, you know, some concepts and get them to think a little bit differently. Similar kind of feelings, Mark, when you moved into an operation as a, an operative for the SEALs. Do you have a similar kind of thing, butterflies sort of gearing up and just, just need that light to, to go green so you can get out and get started? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, they say there's no such thing as, as um, overcoming fear. You know, Navy SEALs feel fear before every parachute jump, before every mission. You know, the key is your relationship with that stress and um, not letting it debilitate you, but turning and channeling that energy into performance. It's a lot about what I read about in the book, actually. Absolutely. Fantastic book, by the way. We're talking with Mark Devine. He is a former Navy SEAL commander and author of The Way of the SEAL and a business owner. You know, I found it interesting as I was doing some uh, background homework. Uh, you, you actually had the opportunity to interact with the director of, of the movie, the Act of, Val- or Act of Valor, uh, the SEAL movie, which was, was fantastic. And I know you endorsed it as a very uh, realistic movie as well. But Scott Waugh, the director, you had him and some of the other reporters uh, out to your training facility there at Seal Fit. Uh, right. I, sus- I suspect that was a good time. Oh, yeah. We've had some all, all sorts of really interesting things like that. And Scott, uh, they came out and I think uh, observed us doing some training. We invited him in. I think he politely declined because he actually was running a little late. But um, that, you know, guys like that, we actually had a, um, an Australian reality TV show group come through uh, called the Iron Men. No Super kidding. cool. Yeah, we, <laughs> we did something with ABC's Extreme Weight Loss. I mean, it's interesting because the, the training that we do, it, it, it appears to be, you know, brutal, and, and it is in a lot of ways, but it's certainly achievable by anyone who can, you know, pour their heart into it. It's not, it's not designed to be just for, you know, elite-level athletes. 
And that's, that's kind of interesting to see people who don't think that they can do something break through into higher and higher levels of, you know, I can do this. And they realize that it's really not about just how tough they are, but if they can reach out for help and really ask for help and be vulnerable with a teammate and, you know, serve their team in a way that's meaningful to them, then all of a sudden they, can, they with their support network, can achieve so much more. We call that the 20X factor. We want people to, to, to know that they're capable of 20 times more than they think they are. I mean, that was my experience in SEAL training. I went in as one person. I came out as someone who was truly aware that I was capable of at least 20 times of what I ever thought was possible. You know, it's remarkable because in the context of business, and ultimately that's where our conversation leads us today, right. but uh, in the context of business, one of the things that I hear business owners and entrepreneurs and, and executives and managers talk about a lot, Mark, is the fact that it really is more and more difficult to find people who aspire to greatness, who aspire to excellence, who aspire to, to mm-hmm. high performance. What, what is happening in, in society and culture and, and how do we recapture some of that? Well, that's such an excellent question and worthy of a lot of study, but I, I honestly think it's because it's not, a, it's not a, a national dialogue. There's no discussion about it. There's no role modeling about it. There's no teaching of excellence in the school systems. And so we, we just kind of lost over a few generations the whole dialogue about what does excellence mean. And then, then it's really dumbed down by what you see on pop culture with the TV and the music. And so we have kids being taught that pop culture is the, the meme, it's the norm, and right. it's not, you know. And so prior to, you know, the diffusion of, of TV with its 180-some-odd channels, um, you know, we had the, the dialogue was presented by national leaders and, and, and church leaders and, you know, sports figures and stuff like that, and, and it was much more channeled and controlled, not necessarily controlled in the sense of, you know, controlled by a higher authority, but it was easier to get a national something of import. For instance, Jack LaLanne's um, shows were fantastic in the 50s, and he would go on TV, and he would reach a broad audience, and he would talk about things that are essentially we're reintroducing today, you know, functional fitness and the importance of eating really high-quality foods that are really close to the earth and, uh, you know, positive mental attitude. These things that really are kind of foundational to what I talk about in the way of the seal, we have to like reintroduce them because they've been lost out of the national discourse. Wow, my my guest uh, this afternoon is Mark Devine, former Navy SEAL commander and uh, the owner of Seal Fit. You can find him at Seal Fit S E A L Fit dot com. Also follow him and Seal Fit on Twitter at Seal Fit at Mark Devine. We're going to take our first time out. We'll come back on the other side. Much, much more from Mark as we begin to talk about some of the ideas that he's been able to translate from his experience as a Navy SEAL into running a business and how you can do exactly the same thing. Stay with me. You're listening to the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Yeah, my good friend Dan Walshman, we'll have him back on the show in a couple of weeks. He'll be joined by Mark Hunter as we talk, uh, say, actually next week, as we talk sales. And then in a couple of weeks, Randy Conley will be my guest, a vice president with the Ken Blanchard Companies. More and more about leadership as we integrate it into the show. Uh, get, getting back to Mark, Mark, you, your book, The Way of the Seal, has has so much practical content packed into it, and, I, and I'm convinced that's why it's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. But but let's let's begin with the idea of uh, picking the right people. How many employees do you have at Seal Fit now? We have about ten full time employees, and then maybe about uh, twenty independent contractor staff who serve as our you know coaching um, staff on and off. How how do you deal with uh, identifying and acquiring talent and then retaining them on staff? Or, or do you find that, that that level of talent naturally is drawn to you because of the level of standards that you have? Um, some of your best folks come to you through the law of attraction. And you know, with SealFit, as with like the Navy SEALs proper, you know, there is a grand mission that the um, you know, that, that organization had. And, and for us, we have a kind of a grand mission to impact millions of people and lead them toward functional fitness and mental, mental, a mentally tough lifestyle. So we do, as you uh, alluded to, we do attract folks who really kind of resonate with that or, or, or align with that. So, you know, that's what I do. I essentially, uh, I see who are the, um, who flows to the top in terms of those people who are already engaged with SealFit training, who already understand my um, vision and align with it. And then, you know, we uh, put them through a little bit of a training and so everyone in my organization is expected to be part of the training model and to at least buy into it. We call it eating our own bomb food. And then, you know, we put them on a, a trial, 90-day trial, and they've got to perform during that trial. And if they don't perform, then, you know, we, we gently ask them to um, stay on the team in the training sense, but, uh, you know, move on in, in the sense of being an employee or, or an IC staffer. Sure. So, you know, the old edge of, you know, I've heard this long ago was to hire slow and fire fast. I mean, it's it's completely irrelevant, you know, and I love the idea of top grading and using assessments and all that and just taking your time, making sure you got the right fit because ultimately you're building a teammate and that teammate has to, you know, jive with the team and be a net contributor, a positive contributor to the team. Anything less than that is going to, you're not going to make any headway and it, and it could easily be a drain or a net drag on the team. So energetically, I think, you know, it's not so much the knowledge that someone makes to the table, although that's certainly important. It's really their character first. Are they going to be a positive, you know, and deep character person who's going to make the team? Yeah, you bet. Hey, Mark, 
I'm going to I'm going to tell you I tell you what we're we're losing you just a little bit and the things you're sharing with us are just too valuable to lose. So I'm going to I'm going to jump early into a break. Michael is our engineer on the other side of the glass. Michael, we'll we'll take a timeout unscheduled here and uh, we'll be back in two minutes as we iron out a little bit of technical detail. We're going to come back and revisit this because these are some things that Mark's sharing with us that I absolutely want to make sure that we get out there. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Business Locker Room. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Yeah, good stuff. Back in the Business Locker Room, thanks for joining us as we took just a short break to iron out some technical difficulties, and we got all that wired up. As, as we left for the break, Mark, we were talking about hiring slow, and, and I, I tell you, in all the things that I've seen with organizations that I've worked with, I think it's one of the single biggest challenges that people face. They have challenges acquiring talent because they wait until they need the talent to start looking, then they hire in a hurry, and they hire mm-hmm. wrong, and then they pay the price for quite a while. That is so true, you know, and I think the key for us, especially if you're building an organization in an entrepreneurial stage, is, is find people who have, who have the depth of character and can align with your vision. And it's okay. And then the, uh, have people, you know, wear multiple hats. And, that, you know, we do that here. And, and you know, you have to be comfortable with uncertainty and, and um, constant change, which is a skill set that, of course, SEALs, you know, develop and, and is really necessary for business today. So, we, you know, we basically push the envelope and have people carry multiple roles until it gets to the point where, you know, we need to carve out a more specific, you know, set of skills or processes into a separate, you know, um, job description. And then we kind of look for a clone, you know, so who is the next person that kind of in the queue, right, who's yes. already, you know, already lined up and proven themselves trustworthy that we're going to then tag and tap and then either, either move them over or, you know, give them a promotion or just bring them into the organization. And I think, you know, a lot of, you know, the Google does this, for instance, I had a good friend who went to work for Google and, you know, this guy was brilliant, but, you know, he, he didn't respond to an ad, he didn't respond to a recruiter or, you know, he was attracted to Google 
literally he was driving down the road in San Francisco and he saw a sign that had a math equation on it and a phone number. <laughs> of course, he was the kind of guy who had to pull off the road to solve the equation. <laughs> right, right. You know, I would have just driven right by and probably <laughs> not even noticed. <laughs> so anyways, he did that and it was Google on the other end. He said, well, good, you know, would you like to come in for an interview? And, and that was just the start of a lengthy process. You know, he had to earn the trust of multiple people and make sure that he was going to be a worthy teammate before they made him a, a real offer. I can think of a number of billboards that probably would have attracted you, but even if that yeah. wasn't one of them. But I can I, I can dream some up that would have worked. Well, you, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's interesting because you talk about character, and I think for any organization, the first cut line in hiring Marcus is always about character. But beyond that, if you find the right kind of people. You still need people with the drive and determination and a sense of discipline that, that want to excel and succeed. And that was sort of the genesis of my first question. It, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to find people who have a sense of excellence. And what I heard you say is is it's more about leadership and the people that are not modeling or, or requiring that kind of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, to me, that's part of character. Drive, discipline, and you know, habituating those traits are excellence habits or excellence, you know, character traits. And those ultimately all become habits of behavior. And so there is, you know, I don't look at character just in the more cultural context of uh, ethics. Are you going to make a honest choice? Honesty is just one aspect of character. Honor, honor is another one. Honor and honesty are two different things. Of course, integrity has to be infused with both honesty and honor. And then, you know, of course, you know, you could be completely honorable and in integrity, but still be a couch potato, you know. So, so you know, we want to have honorable integrity with honesty and trustworthiness and, you know, fueled by a, an ability to really take care of your body, mind, system so that you are firing in all cylinders because you're not useful to the team if you're getting sick all the time, if you're out of shape and you can't carry your load, or if you're just not taking care of yourself because, guess what, your mind isn't going to be acting at its peak either. And so you're doing a disservice to your team. And so, you know, you have to be driven to take care of yourself in order to serve your team. And that's one of the, one of the really key and misunderstood things about, you know, um, elite teams is that it's not, you know, you don't sacrifice yourself to the team. You actually elevate your own, um, your own personal development and growth so that you can be more useful to the team and then you can serve them even better. And so this really interesting concept that the SEALs had developed where you know, everyone's pushing each other every day to get stronger, faster, smarter, learn more skills because they know that that's going to make the team stronger, faster, and more able to accomplish its mission. Mark Devine is my guest. He joins me in the business locker room as we talk about business from the perspective of a former Navy SEAL commander and a guy who has owned uh, some businesses, currently owned SEALFIT, and you can, uh, you can find him online at SEALFIT.com. There is an interesting scene in the movie about one of your Navy SEAL brothers, uh, Marcus Luttrell. When mm-hmm. the book came out, Lone Survivor, uh, I, I read it when it came out, and then I was quite interested to see how they treated it in the movie. But in the movie, there's this sequence where uh, the team has been discovered. They've been smoked out by uh, some Afghan sheep herders, and they turn right. out to be, you know, working somewhat with uh, with the enemy. And so there's there's this heated discussion among the team 
in which uh, some think that it may be the best idea perhaps to rid themselves of this threat. And uh, Marcus Luttrell, that character, he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to be any part of that. And they argue heatedly, and one of them says, that would be my vote. And finally, uh, the commander says, there's not going to be a vote. Here is exactly what we're going to do. And at that mm-hmm. moment, everybody on the team, Mark, said, Roger that. I mean, there was no argument. Mm-hmm. There was right. no attitude. There was nothing. Can mm-hmm. you create that kind of camaraderie in corporate America? Is, that, is it even possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it requires a deep level of trust and autonomy. And so, you know, one of the things in the SEALs, and I try to emulate a SEAL fit, is that, you know, we all know that we're good at what we do, but we also know that that, that doesn't matter because not one of us is going to accomplish mission alone. And they're not going to send me alone to go capture bin Laden. That, that's the stuff of the movie. There are no Rambos in the business world, and there's no Rambos in the SEALs. And so, you know, but everyone is a... You know, everyone on a great um, business team is a rock star in their own way. And I believe everyone's a rock star when they tap into their unique skills and talents, you know, their God-given purpose, you know, for being here on this planet. And so just assume that you're a rock star and that you're going to, you know, develop the skills and talents to be able to be a, um, a heavy contributor to the team. And so that means that you've got to be listened to and your, your opinion matters. It's not an autocratic top-down leadership style at all. In fact, one of our SEAL codes is that you're ready to lead, ready to follow, and never quit. And the ready-to-follow part is equal as important as ready to lead, even if you're the guy in charge. Like in the situation you talked about, it was Lieutenant Michael Murphy. He was in charge. He knew it. Everyone knew it. But that discussion was, was pretty common. Now, a lot of folks would say that the outcome was not common for a military setting, but I believe that Murphy and those guys were kind of representing a new era of, of um, warrior where, you know, they're more thoughtful warriors. They're not just going to take a life just because, you know, that's what the Vietnam era guys would have done or what the old school, you know, um, uh, you know, whatever the tactical doctrine says to do. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And they were, they were actually thoughtful about the lives of those sheepers who were doing nothing more than herding their sheep and then stumbled upon some Americans in their territory. So they let them go. And back to your point, so there was a rollicking discussion because Michael needed to hear the opinion to help him form his final judgment. But when that final judgment was made, this guy's clicked in the line and said, yes, sir, let's go. Because there has to be a final arbiter. You know, it's not a democracy, even in a, in a, even in a company. And most companies that have tried to run as democracies are, are utter failures. You know what I mean? Right. So you can have a sense of great autonomy Everyone's valued, and, and some of the best ideas come from the most unlikely of places and the most junior guys. But ultimately, and all that information for a good leader, all that information goes to help form an opinion. Now, if that leader constantly goes against the opinions of the majority of the, of the teammates, then they're going to just lose trust in him. And guess what? He will fall from the leadership grace. He may still be in charge until the organization ejects him, but he's not going to be leading anything, trust me. I think it's interesting that uh, you know so many people will make the comment, Mark, that you can't you can't be like the military in the, in, in a corporate world. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that from the standpoint that while we may not do basic training and break people down and make them follow orders indiscriminately, which is sort of a, a misrepresentation anyway, but right. nobody has taught American culture more about how to create high performance teams than the military just because they fail at some point is not a failure of methodology or structures it's a failure because there are human beings involved of course you know and i i think the folks don't they have a very myopic view of what the military leadership is um, because it's informed you know often just by tv or a movie 
The reality is the military is an incredibly diverse organization or groups of organizations that have leadership of all stripes. You know, we've got bold leadership, visionary leadership, we've got character leadership, we've got servant leadership, we've got rigid organizational autocratic leadership. And you've got leadership at all levels of the organization because every single person in the military is expected to lead, expected to follow. And so it's an incredibly dynamic. You got combat leadership, which is very fluid, mm-hmm. and you know, and small unit leadership like in the SEALs, and you've got organizational, it's just incredibly diverse. And you get experience at all of them as an as a leader in the military. And that makes it incredibly valuable to come back to the corporate world and and then you can contrast it and say, you know what, this is actually, this situation requires me to be much more like, you know, I was in Ramadi as a platoon leader. And then as your organization grows and matures, you can say, okay, well, this situation is much more uh, akin to me developing, you know, the group level where I've got 400, you know, staffers and, you know, we're starting to develop some, you know, bureaucracy, bureaucratic kind of modes here. And I want to keep it free and open and I don't want it to get rigid and calcified. So, you know, I'm going to apply some different thinking here. Sure. So, well, let's turn our attention to your background as an entrepreneur. We've talked a lot about your military side of your background, sure. but you you've owned companies and uh, you've been through the many challenges that entrepreneurs and business owners face. What what's been the biggest of those challenges from your personal perspective? You know, I think um, earlier we alluded to um, finding the right people to be on the team. Um, it's it took me a while to fall back on the SEAL model that I, that I alluded to and, and to make sure that I took the time and that I could get the you know, most incredible people on the team. So that was one. And the other was um, to ensure that I did in business, that I did something that I was utterly passionate about and completely aligned with in terms of my overall sense of purpose in life. And my very first business out of the SEALs was not aligned. I, it was a microbrewery. And now at the time, you know, as a, as a 30 two or 33-year-old SEAL just getting off active duty, you know, having a lifetime supply of free beer and hanging around a microbrewery sounded like a good <laughs> idea. But, but it really wasn't aligned with, you know, where I wanted to go in my life. It was just business. It was just a way to make money. It was just fun. And because of that, you know, I really lost, you know, after the, the raw entrepreneurial stage of getting it up and running was over and it got to be, you know, the reality of, hey, this could be, you know, another 10 or 15 years of my life, then I, I really lost the passion for it. I said, you know what, this isn't it. And ultimately, I sold my interest in that company. But when I started SealFit and I really, because I, I, I identified and I took a, like a little, you know, vision quest of my own over a, period, a couple of period of years and decided, you know, or try to really focus in on what is the next, next phase of my business life that was really going to be radically significant and, and allow me to impact, you know, not just a few people and not just line my pocketbook, but, you know, have a, have an impact in the world. And that's when I really um, decided that I, that I had this talent to be able to train people in mental toughness and emotional resiliency and warrior spirit. And so I started first training SEAL candidates, huge success there, and then uh, opened it up to professionals and, and um, entrepreneurs and, and everyone, you know, who really wanted to step into that, that uh, domain. So my point, uh, Kelly, is that I aligned with my passion and purpose. And, and since then, it's just been a pure joy. I mean, really, I think that's one of the most crucial things for, for folks in the business is to make sure you have great meaning behind what you're doing. And so you can answer that question, why am I doing this? Every day you get up and put your pants on, you're like, I know exactly why I'm doing this. Everything on my schedule today makes total sense to me. And otherwise, I won't do it because you know, doing it is going to move the dial 
and pushing me closer and closer toward my purpose and passion and fulfilling that through this um, mission of, of this business entity of mine. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it sounds, I think, to, to some people so trite and so cliche. There was a book actually written to this very topic uh, back in the late 80s, 1989, I believe it was published. It was called Teamwork, What Must Go Right, What Can Go Wrong. And uh-huh. the two authors there researched high-performance teams, of which, by the way, uh, military teams were a part of that. But one of the things they found in every single team that worked at a high level and was missing in every team that did not was what the authors deemed a clear and elevating goal, you know, finding right. that purpose. And and that sounds so, you know, trite and cliche, and it's not really about products and markets and efficiencies right. and all that stuff. But if you're if you're not passionate about what you do every day, it's just really hard to find that what you call that 20x performance level. For sure, for sure. And, and I get this question all the time. I say, well, you know, Mark, that sounds great, but what if I, I'm not 100% clear about my purpose yet and uh but i still got to make a living and i said okay well that that is true you know our, that's the way our society is structured you know if you just stop going to work that that's going to have a little bit of an adverse impact sure probably on your family and so you know but you can you can find greater meaning in what you do even if you're making a widget you know what i mean and so you know it's just what, I, what i'm talking about is just being more um developing a sense of inquiry and redefining the way we tell stories to ourselves, Re- redefining the stories of our lives so that we, A, are, are, are feeling super empowered by what we do so we don't get up and go, God, I'm going to go to work, you know, right. and make widgets. You're getting up and saying, you know what, I, I'm going to work because, you know, it's important. These widgets are, are important and, you know, the te- my team is important and we're, we're building a better world by, my, my role is to build a better world by influencing my team in a positive way and, and over time, that'll show up in more and higher responsibility and, and whatever. You know what I mean? So you, you, um, you do the inquiry to understand and create a new, more powerful story about why you are important. And then you create a story around how you can be exceptional in everything you do. In the SEALs, we call it earning your trident every day. There's no reason that everyone on this call can't be exceptional every day in taking care of their body, doing some program like SEAL Fit taking care of their mind by, you know, a series of mental training disciplines that you could just easily weave into your day, um, taking care of your emotional development and really deepening your connection to your heart and being able open to others and being more authentic and vulnerable, super valuable, super important for the future, all of which are going to make you a much more effective leader and teammate and allow you to go forward with such clarity of purpose that you will never quit even when the going gets really tough. And those, that's just a set of skills, right? It's not, you know, people have to stop thinking that, oh, I wasn't born that way. We are all born with a potential to be exceptional. It's just a matter of creating the habits and the disciplines to, to move ourselves in that direction. Wow, that's just such great stuff. Mark Devine is our guest in the business locker room, the best-selling author of The Way of the Seal, also the owner of Seal Fit. Find him at sealfit.com. Make sure you follow those guys on Twitter as well, at Seal Fit and at Mark Devine. We're going to take our final time out. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk more to Mark about his book, The Way of the Seal. I'm telling you, if you're in business and you don't have a copy, you're missing out. So many good tactical things that you can use in a real good overview of some of the things we've talked about as well. Stay with me. We'll be back on the other side. Thanks to Michael for taking care of us on the engineering. This is the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Well, that's absolutely a guarantee with our current guest, Mark Devine, joining us, former Navy SEAL commander. Hey, a couple of great shows coming up in the next few weeks. If you're on the sales bandwagon, if you're a salesperson, sales manager, own a company and you care about sales, you want to make sure you tune in with us next week. Mark Hunter will join us. Got a brand new sales book out. Dan Walshmit will also be a part of that show. My very first guest some uh, three, almost four months ago now. And he'll be back to tell us more about his book, Edgy Conversations. And he is one of those extreme athletes as well. I, sometimes I don't get these guys that can run for weeks, Mark. I don't know how you guys do that. But uh, based on what I read in your book and what you're telling me on the show today, it sounds like it's more mental than anything. For sure. Yeah. Well, it, I, it, it takes an enormous amount of discipline and desire to be successful in the business world. And, and you've done that. And I, I, I love the book that you wrote, The Way of the Seal, because it translates what has been learned over, uh, frankly, a couple of hundred years in the military side from an organization standpoint. You've put a lot of those principles into practice as an entrepreneur. Let's start with one of the first premises in your book, and that is to develop front sight focus. Now, I know that's mm-hmm. a, a reference to, to shooting a weapon when you're focused on the front sight, but you bring right. that into some other context. Tell us about that. Right. Yeah, contextually, as you alluded to, the, the front sight, um, when you shoot at a target, you aim at a target, um, you, know, you, you have the weapon pointed at the target, but you put the front sight on the bullseye. And then when you go to shoot, you know, most people make a mistake when they learn to shoot that they, they keep looking at the target. And that's not accurate. Like you will never hit the target very accurately or very consistently if you keep your eyes on the target. Isn't that interesting? It's almost uncanny. Right. So, but instead, you keep your eyes on the front sight. And so that's akin to a, a micro goal, a well thought out micro goal, right? That is now aligned with the target. So imagine that front sight. All I got to do is stare at that front sight. As long as that front sight is lined up on the target, the target's 50, years, 50 yards away or 100 yards away or 2,000 meters away. But I'm just looking at that front sight, which is literally a foot in front of my face. That's all I need to focus on. And then I squeeze the trigger, smooth and slow. 
and uh, and I hit the target. And so then, of course, I've got to take another, uh, acquire the target again or a different target. And so I scan the horizon for that target. I find it. I align the front sight to it, and then I just focus on that front sight. So it's a super powerful concept for business, right? And the target, of course, meaning your goal or your objective. Right. Let's say you've got an objective to launch a new product line. And so you clearly define that objective in both um, both words and the a mental imagery of what it is. And the, and the way you keep, this is, this is unique to business leaders, the way you keep the front sight aligned on the target is not by having a big target on your wall that says, you know, launch successful, you know, July 15th, 2015. What you do is you have a very, very clear picture in your mind and the mind of the entire team of what that mission success looks like for that business launch, which is to, you know, to be achieved by on or about, you know, July 15th, 2015. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that image in your mind and you burn it in your mind with the way that you describe it and by the communication protocols you have around discussing that project. And you can even have some pictures or pictorial representations of it, right, floating around the office or in places that are visible. So you keep your mind fixed, you know, from a vision standpoint on the goal, but then your targets are, you know, cascaded down to micro goals that are going to definitively move the, the dial toward accomplishing that mission, accomplishing that broader vision. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the broadest sense of what I mean by front sight focus, that situational awareness and keeping your, you know, part of you, part of your awareness field focused on the overall mission while your, your, um, your action and your action focus is focused on a micro target that's going to definitively move you toward that. You know, what's interesting that I hear you saying is that it's really critical to communicate to the people on the team what those ultimate targets are and those micro goals along the way. And yet I am, I'm routinely, uh, I routinely see business owners who not only don't communicate where they're going, but really don't even communicate well with regards to their goals. And I, I, you Mm -hmm. just, you would never see that in a military outfit at all. Sure. That is true. And I think that those communication protocols are super important. We call that a battle rhythm. So, you know, and every company is going to have a different battle rhythm and every project uh, will have a different battle rhythm. And so, you know, defining what that looks like and then keeping the drum roll of communication up. And that can be, you know, it can be meetings, it can be email protocol, it can be um, phone calls and, you know, it can be corporate retreats and whatever. But constantly keeping the vision alive so that everyone can kind of crystallize on that vision. Now, they're going to see it differently. Everyone's going to filter it through their level of consciousness, through their background and, you know, experiences and whatnot. But they should all generally agree on the, the nature of what that victory looks like, feels like, tastes like, and what, it, what it's going to mean for the organization in terms of revenue and profit and future opportunity for them. And so you keep that alive so they can kind of have that background image as their front site, you know, as their target, I'm sorry. And then, you know, then those goals are just, those are defined weekly, even daily, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, goals that are too far out are just not, you know, you, you just kind of lose focus on. And goals that um, are too, um, you know, too vague, you lose focus on. So the goals have to be very, very well articulated. And you got to make sure you're working on the right goals tied to that vision. So I have a little process called FITS in the book, you may recall. It's mm-hmm. asking yourself, you know, once you understand the vision, then you can start backing down 
the action steps to get there. You got to ask yourself which targets fit you at any one, at any you know point in time. And so the fit, the F, it's an acronym. So the F is does it fit you know your team or yourself for your personality, your skills, and you know your your current disposition of resources. Let's just say, right. does it fit fit you now? Um, you know, it might not be. You might not be ready to take on that task. You might need to get some skills, and I mean to bring another teammate on or a resource partner, or something like sure. that. So, does it fit? And then the I is how um, how important is this target? Are there other targets that you could be going after that are going to have a higher return on investment and be more important to the overall mission success? So, a lot of times we go after targets that seem like they're likely targets, but they're not as important as some other target that you're ignoring, and all of a sudden, when that one rears its head, you know, you've wasted a lot of time because you have to shift fire. And then the T is, is the timing right? So I kind of just alluded to that, but for, if you're going to launch into a target, is it really the right time to do it? You know, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, and I've experienced this quite a bit, we launch into a target, going after a target that is, we're just not ready for. You know, the, the um, groundwork hasn't been done, the foundation hasn't been built, you know, and that's why we say everything takes three times as long and and cost probably three times as much when you start a new project or launch a new business. You know, frankly, it's because we usually launch into the execution phase before we're ready. And so you to ask yourself, is the timing right? And then the fourth, the S in the FITS model is how simple is it? Is it simple enough for you to wrap your head around to communicate to your team and really get charged up about? Or is it so complex that you, you don't understand all the moving parts and you require, you know, multiple parties to perform on their end and you have no control over those parties and whether they'll whether and when they'll perform their end of the um, of the project. Yeah, and so a, keeping it simple is key. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk I'm I'm drawn to that because a part of the front site focus is this whole idea of simplifying the battlefield, eliminating right. the distractions around you. Too many times too we're trying to do everything instead of the most important thing. That's right. And SEALs can only focus on one mission at a time, but they can do them in quick succession because of their skills and, and ability to shift fire really quickly and their ability to laser focus on that one thing and get it done. And even if they don't succeed, they don't sit there and wallow in their misery. They don't take failure personally. It's just one way to not do it again. And so they learn from it. Every, every, you know, every failure is a learning moment. And we fail forward fast toward you know, the overall mission success. Sure, but simplifying the battlefield is one of the reasons that we can do that. We don't carry a lot of clutter, you know. We don't we don't go after too many mission sets. We don't try to take on too many projects. We really just want to focus on kind of that one main thing that's going to drive the dial, drive the drive the business forward. Let's just say in the business context and lead to overall mission success. You know, might have subordinate projects, but you don't let them deter you from the one main thing. In, in this, another part of your book, you have a whole concept that you label bulletproof your mission. And introducing that particular chapter, you make this statement, 95% of businesses fail in five years because they don't have the skills to eliminate uncertainty and mitigate risk. Explain that for me. Well, there's two sides to this. SEALs are guys and, and ladies, actually, not, not that we have female SEALs yet, but they're women on the team who, are, who provide important support roles. You know, we're the type of people who run toward the sound of gunfire. We, it's it's a, another one of those unconventional paradoxes that in order to mitigate risk, you've got to embrace it. Does that make sense? Sure. So we, we embrace risk. We train for high level of risk. Um, we develop our minds and bodies to withstand an enormous stress. 
and we understand that it's our relationship to stress that is really important and how we, how we um, orient to it using the OODA loop, which is the observe, orient, decide, and act loop. Mm-hmm. And so once we, um, we begin to train this way, then we're really reducing the risk of failure because we're ready for anything. So that's one way of doing it or looking at it. The other is that we understand that no plan survives contact with the enemy. None. I mean, so we don't seek a perfect plan. We spend a heck of a lot less time planning than any other military unit. We literally seek an 80% solution and get out the door and execute. And we find out where the plan is going to fail. And because that's where the information is, that's where the juice is. We want to know where is the enemy? You know, we flush them out. Where, where's this plan going to fail? What's wrong with it? And we can't do that by sitting around and trying to come up with the perfect plan and, and you know, second guessing and analyzing it to death. We just get out there and act, we get into the arena, and we get messy. And that's how we learn. And then we fail forward fast toward the objective. And we, um, we utilize that OODA loop where we're constantly observing and orienting to the, a new solution, making a quick decision, acting, and trying to tighten up that, that learning curve. But yet, in the business world, people can't act that way, Mark, if they haven't trained that way. And that's really the difference. You guys can seek the 80% solution and hit the ground running because you have developed the skills to right. respond and be nimble. That is true. And that essentially is why, I'm, you know, why I wrote the book and why I started my business. Is it's, it's just it's one thing, it's one level to just tell people about how SEALs think and act and how that can be useful for business leaders today and in the future. And yet it's a whole nother level to actually train people that way. And that's, that's really my, my driver. That's what, that's what fires me up every day is I want to train people. I don't just want to talk about it and say, Hey, yeah, if you were a SEAL, you could do this too. That's not it. You know, that, that's only marginally helpful. Sure. So the way of the SEAL is in effect a training book. Uh, actually, and I've got a whole chapter on how to train in the way of the seal, and I've got a ton of exercises in there to start training your mind and your your whole being. What I call your five mountains: Phys- how to train physically, mentally, emotionally, intuitionally, and spiritually. Your warrior spirit, your non-quitting spirit, your purpose-driven spirit. How do you, how do you connect and train those together so that you can accelerate your development and to you know think like the way of the seal. You know, we, we've just got about two minutes left, and, and there's so much more in the book that I want to cover. But one of the great principles you, you talk about is think offense all the time. And I got to tell you, as an ex-athlete, a guy that played ball, I love that, think offense all the time. But you talk about rules that you need to learn to break, that you need to break right now. And the first one that you mentioned is one that's near and dear to my heart because it's a real problem. It, you know, we've been taught that we need to multitask. And yet mm-hmm. all the research and what you talk about as well is that multitasking really is a deterrence to high performance. Tell us a little bit more about that as we close out. Sure. Again, you know, it's not to say that you can't do more than one thing at any one time, but right. everything that you do takes up processing power. Yes. And so um, if, you're, if you're doing something that's radically important and you should have already figured out that you shouldn't be doing, you probably wouldn't be doing something unless it was radically important to mission success, then you need to focus just on that one thing to give it the highest chances of success, to focus on it like a laser beam as opposed to multitasking, which is going to diffuse your energy to be more like a floodlight. And, you know, if I, if I need a laser beam, then I want to be a laser beam with my mind. You know, I'm not looking to be a floodlight. And so, you know, that idea is, uh, is super, it's super important. And, and, you know, we can't, there, there's so many other rules that we can break that are just common thinking. And we can't stay common. 
We can't continue to think in a common manner in our current business climate. Things are, are accelerating too fast. Um, there's going to be some radical disruption happening in the next 10 years or 20 years. And, you know, our lives are going to be very different. And I feel like, you know, we all together need to upgrade our operating systems so that we can be more nimble and more creative and tap into our whole mind system, our whole mind-body system. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we need to train it. You know, it's not something that's just going to happen because. I mean, a little bit of growth will come because, because of the pain and the need to, um, the urgent need to change. But we can head off a lot of that by training ourselves in the principles I'm talking about. You know, I have this saying with my SealFit guys is you can bring the challenge or you can go to the challenge or the challenge will come to you. And when you go to the challenge and you grow, then, you know, you, you avert the many disasters that befall folks in life. <laughs> That's you such know? good stuff, Mark. Well, it, it has been a spectacular hour. Thanks so much for joining yeah. us. And, and uh, there's so much more that we could do. Our guest is Mark Devine. As I've mentioned many times, he's a former Navy SEAL commander, best-selling author of The Way of the SEAL. Get a copy. You won't regret it. I promise you that. And find him at SealFit.com. That's going to do it for today's show. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you again next week. Many thanks to 4D Sales. 4D Sales is our partner in the show. An X's and O's segment that we typically do. Miles Austin has been out for the past couple of weeks. But next week, Miles will be back with another great online business productivity tool. And he has really revolutionized the way that I do business. Special thanks to my uh, good friend Michael Sergit on the other side of the glass, making us sound a lot better than we actually do. And thanks to Brandy Jackson for executive production work. Uh, The Business Locker Room. Find us at bizlockerroom.com and follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. That's going to wrap it up. We'll see you next time right here in the Business Locker Room show on Voice America. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.